This radio program is PG-13. Parents strongly caution some material may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. Set me free of the chains holding me. Is anybody out there hearing me? Set me free. Jesus' mission was to comfort those who mourn, bind up the brokenhearted, Proclaim liberty to captives and open prison doors for those who are bound. For those who want more than status quo Christianity has to offer, Blazing Grace Radio begins now. And here is your host, Mike Janung. Welcome back to Blazing Grace Radio. Good to have you here. And it's a sunny, beautiful day in downtown Phoenix. And so before I get into today's show, I want to set the stage with saying that there's a goal and a purpose for what we're going to walk through today. And the goal is always restoration with a lot of what we do and with all of what we do, actually, and leading people to a deeper relationship with, the G- with Jesus. And so we're going to, sometimes though, we have to walk through some painful issues to have healing because if you don't take a look at the wound then you can't you can't recover and heal from it and, th- and that's what this show is going to go into so let's let's charge into it and we just had you know the presidential election and in the run-up to the election in the three four or five months in the run-up there were increasing calls for prayer and repentance and that's that i mean that's great we need that and this same pattern happened in the 2016 presidential election where three, four, five months before the election, there was increasing frequency of let's pray, we got to pray, we got to pray for the election. And then right after the election, all that stopped. So why is it that it stopped after the election? Have you thought about that? Did we all of a sudden not need a spiritual awakening? Were we really after God, or did we we just want to petition him so that we got whoever we wanted in office? And sometimes I think about this, and I think, you know, things are not getting better. They're progressively getting worse, and they've been getting worse for the last 20 years. And I've talked before about how today— there are now more than a million witches in the U.S. 20 years ago, there were 8,000. Sexual sin is prevalent all over the church with two-thirds of men reportedly viewing pornography and 30% of women. Sexual abuse is a big problem in the church. Physical, well, physical abuse sometimes happens, but not to the extent of the others. Suicide rates are up in the U.S. You see the laws that are passing Maybe not so much the last four years, but the four years previous and all over where uh, there's gender issues with men becoming women, women becoming men, and and gay marriage and legalized pot, which just happened here in, in Arizona. So we're continuing a fast run to a moral collapse. So now that the election is over, 
we need to crank up and keep intensifying the calls for prayer and repentance. They should not stop just because the election stopped. And if they do, then that shows that we've got our priorities wrong and we really don't understand what's going on in our world or we really don't want God to be Lord of our life. We just want to have the guy we want in office who we think is going to give us a comfortable life and then we can go on and not have our lives shaken up because God you know, has to convict us deeply of our sin. So the challenge today is going to expose some of these things and take a look at what we need to do to start really sparking a, sparking a spiritual awakening. And uh, this was reported in the news just last week where a judge was charged with sexually abusing a child. No, a judge charged a man, sorry, a 58-year-old man, was sexually abusing a child. And the guy was a church leader, a 58-year-old church leader, who had sleepovers with boys. This was an Assembly of God church. It was in the news. And when the police interviewed the guy, asking him about certain young men, things he did with them, or, or who they, he did things with, he couldn't even remember. He said, in his words, because there have been so many. And every single week, there are articles posted like this in the news where somebody in a church somewhere is going to prison or being arrested is a senior pastor or it's a Sunday school teacher or somebody in a trusted leadership position. And I've been sharing stories like this all along, not because, I mean, this is kind of gross stuff, but it shows the level of depravity that is everywhere. And this guy, when he was interviewed, the 58-year-old man said he had a problem with pornography. And you cannot let pornography run unhindered in the church. This is what the fruit of that is. This is the fruit of a church that will not face its sin, will not talk openly about sex. These things are happening. And when I was at a church in the 80s, a big one in Southern California, there was, right before the preacher was getting ready to leave, he had announced he was going to depart and go to another church, another state. It was found out that one of the deacons had molested 17 kids there and it made the news and blew up. And And this is not to rail against the people who have done that because they're broken and lost and they need Jesus. What this is to say is this is going on, this level of sexual sin, abuse, or whatever you want to call it, and we have to take a hard look at it. And I'm not, ta- I'm not saying that sexual abuse happens every day at the church, but it is a bigger problem than you realize. And there's another news story that came out about a month ago that I'm going to get into that when I first read it, I got mad. <laughs> a lot of you know who know who Ravi Zacharias was. He, I had nothing, and I have nothing but respect for him. I've heard him speak. The guy is an incredible apologist. He has more intellectual, or he had more intellectual firepower on his pinky than most people have in their whole body. He did an incredible job at repudiating um, intellectual arguments against the faith. I just loved the guy. I loved his passion, loved his ministry, and and then around a month ago, Christianity Today broke a story where I guess about eight years ago, Zacharias 
And you got to remember, this is a minister, an ordained minister by the Christian Missionary Alliance. And he had part ownership in two massage therapy places. I think it was in Georgia. And um, multiple women have been coming forward and saying that when he was, and I guess he was frequenting these places consistently, maybe once a month, maybe more, and saying that he was doing inappropriate, making inappropriate statements and doing inappropriate things sexually. And when I first read this, I was furious. I was like, what are you doing posting this now when the guy just, you know, passed away and people are still grieving his loss? What, what are you bringing this up for? We don't, we got enough garbage. We certainly don't need, you know, an incredibly great man of the faith torn apart. I, I don't want to, you know, read this. And then um, I kept reading more and more of what they had to say, Christianity Today, and then and then World Magazine got into it. And they started doing digging and doing more research and found that Zacharias had um, had contact by email and done a, sent appropriate or alleged to have done sent appropriate pictures with a woman. I think it was in Canada, and who he was, um, I think, trying to disciple a little bit. Uh, there was a lawsuit involved, and then there was there was an agreement made through arbitration where both sides agreed to keep the settlement quiet. And when you read that a settlement was made, that starts flashing red lights because innocent people usually do not make a payoff unless they're guilty. So as I'm reading this, this is starting to sting. And, um, you know, I, I want to throw up even just going walking through this, but, you know, I loved Ravi Zacharias. And, and to read that, you know, we don't have, he's not here to defend himself, but the evidence doesn't look good. And the point I'm trying to bring out is, who is the one who exposes sin? I don't think this is about man's act. Personally, I think this is something that God is doing, and I believe that God is doing in his church, and he's been doing more profoundly ever since COVID started, because when COVID started, we got really busy at Blazing Grace. I mean, our groups, people asking us for help shot through the roof. So what that showed when COVID hit was the church has a really big problem with porn that was just exposed in an even bigger way, because now when you're forced to stay home and who you are is who you are in isolation, and if you're letting the pull take you down, that really shows the strength of your relationship with the Lord. And and we have, if we want revival, we're going to have to be able to walk through some painful places. And we see, you know, quite often there's pastors that are falling because of sexual immorality or other things. And this is not just about pastors or ministry leaders. This is about the church at large. And And I do want to read a piece of, um, what World Magazine printed about the Zachariah situation. He said, they said, the Thompsons, these, that's the 
couple in Canada are now forbidden by a confidential settlement agreement from talking about what happened. But Lorianne's sister, Tamara, released Lorianne's pre-settlement account. Batiste also had phone records and email records be- between Zacharias and Thompson, an independent reporter and blogger Julie Royce first published these records, some of which World Magazine has obtained. Batista, a former missionary in Africa, said that after seeing so much corruption in ministry, she no longer attends church, although she remains of private faith. And then she writes, I would like to see a little bit of accountability. And what I want to focus in on are those words, corruption in ministry. We see this too. We see this with spiritual abuse. We see this with people who come to us who have been neglected or abused spiritually somehow. And this is painful, but this is kind of the, this is the kind of pain that if willing to walk through it, God can bring healing from it. But if we keep shoving our head in the sand, we don't have a shot at revival. So the message here today is not about slamming Zacharias in any way. It's saying, you know, this is what's coming out, and it's not good, and it hurts. It's not about shaming anyone anywhere, not shaming the church. It's saying we have to open up these things. We have to expose our sin. We have to stop running from it and take a hard look at who we are and what we've become, and we're not who we think we are. I'm going to read from Ezekiel 8 now, starting at verse 7. I want you to notice what God is doing as he's speaking to Ezekiel. And the Lord brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, Son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall, and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, Go in and see the vile abominations that they are committing here. So I went in and saw. And there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping thing and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel, with Jazaniah the son of Shaphan standing among them. And each had his censer in his hand, and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. And then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, The Lord does not see us, the Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, You will see greater abominations than they commit. Then the Lord brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord and said, And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? You will see still greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. And behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, worshiping the sun toward the east. Then he said to me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here, that they should fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger? Behold, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore I will act in wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. You know, they cry in my ears with a loud voice. I will not hear them. What has happened in these verses is God has exposed the nation of Israel's sin. 
And if you read into Ezekiel 9, um, a lot of people in that vision uh, were killed. He basically sent an angel, and it was a bloodbath, and it was horrible. And I'm going to read verse 3. This shows who who was preserved. Now the glory of the Lord, of, of the God of Israel, had gone up from the cherub. I want you rested to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case at his waist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. And to the others he said in my hearing, Pass through the city after him and strike. Your eyes shall not spare and you shall show no pity. Who are the ones who are sighing and groaning? These are the ones who are broken. These are the ones who read the news stories and it tears them up. These are the ones who weep with those who weep, who mourn with those who mourn. These are the ones who have a sensitive heart to the Lord and love him to the point of saying, God, convict me of my sin and no matter what it takes, God, would you please restore me? These are the ones who are going after him with an intense prayer life and fervent prayer. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, are we broken as a church? Because revivals don't happen until people are broken. Revivals don't happen until sin is exposed in such a way and with such color and force that all we can do is cry out to God and say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And so the thing is, we have to start having a hard conversation as what sins are we struggling with today in the church? What is it that has a grip on us? What is it that we're shoving under the rug and avoiding talking about? And some of those sins, just to give you a few, I think we might look at and talk about it. The first one is uh, it has to be pride. Because what you see a lot in Christians today is everything is the liberals' fault, Trump's fault, government's fault. It's everybody's fault but our own. And so if they, if they just, you know, tisk tisk, if they just, if those wretched sinners just, you know, got their act together, then we wouldn't have any problems. But from what I see, we've lost our salt. And you cannot have a church that avoids talking about sin and avoids talking about things like sex, porn, masturbation, adultery, mental health, suicide, and all these other issues and have anything more than a lukewarm church because then people aren't going to look at their struggles. They aren't going to face their sin. So pride is a part of that. We don't want to touch this stuff. I mean, (laughs) we're going to make people uncomfortable. But this is the path to healing. And part of the mentality is that, you know, we got the big, nice air-conditioned building with the plush seats. We can walk in strolling with our coffee. And it's all very comfortable, and we don't challenge people. And the challenge has to start coming from somewhere. Where is your heart with God today? Do you really have the fruit of the Spirit in your heart? Do you have a passionate love relationship with the Lord that is the biggest thing in your life? This doesn't mean you have struggles, but do you run to him fast and hard? Are you filled with a joy and deep peace 
that surpasses everything? Do you, know, do you even know what connecting with him looks like? Or are you one of those who are content with the Awana level of Christianity where we learn our Bible verses, we listen to our expository teaching, we get our doctrine right, and bam, we're good. Meanwhile, the whole world's falling apart. What about judging? Do we have an issue with judging? Yeah, you see that. Just look on social media where all you got to do is bring up a topic like theology and you know people can start wanting to throw down. Um, you got Calvinism versus Arminianism, and I could go on. But basically that's looking down at other people thinking that my way, my doctrine, my theology is the only way and the way we package God is the way it has to be done. And he's a lot bigger than we give him credit for. And But some of that is religious pride that, you know, once I've crossed my theological T's, I'm good. I'm settled with the Lord. I know that I'm elect or once saved, always saved, or whatever it is, but we're not taking a real hard look at our heart. I think one thing we have to take a look at is the lukewarm spirit that has been fostered in a lot of our churches. And this comes from, as I just mentioned, avoiding sin and avoiding confronting people about it. How about using God's name as a swear word or cursing or involvement with the occult? There are plenty of Christians who are listening to music that has is sung by groups with that's basically worshiping the devil or it's giving credence to evil. And when you're listening to music you're, and you're bobbing your head to it, you're in agreement with the message. So if you're not listening to those lyrics or if you're listening to a band or if you're watching a movie, a horror movie where there's a lot of murder and killing and butchering and or there's demonic elements to it, that's having an effect on you spiritually. And you don't even, you're probably not even aware of it, but you don't want to be watching that stuff. But we're not talking about these things in our churches that there are a lot of people messing with stuff that have to do with witchcraft. And read the Bible, what you know God says about that. You, you know, let not, and the Old Testament is pretty severe. Don't let, do not suffer a witch to live. So these things, these compromise, these areas have to be, these are the kind of things, the music we listen to, the entertainment that's choking us, staring at our smartphones all the time. These things are part of what's choking our relationship with the Lord that have to be brought to the light and we have to face them and go after them. Not for the purpose of condemnation, but for the purpose of restoration. Go and look at the book, and I think it's Hebrews 12, when he talks about jettisoning, dropping the weights, dropping the sins that so easily entangle you. So my brothers and sisters, do you have any weights you need to drop today? Is there any anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or pride or fear? Or are you choked with sports and entertainment? Are you choked with other things? How's your relationship with the Lord? Do you, do you love being with Him? Do you love going to Him in prayer? Do you spend at least... One day a week where you have an hour alone with him? Are you seeking after him hard? Can you say you even really know him? And these are the things that if we ask these questions and we ask God to put a mirror in front of us and we're willing to cooperate, we can have revival. If we're willing to put people on their knees in our churches, and so what this can look like today is, Lord, convict me of my sin. 
what this can look like in your church this weekend is pastors are going to put their flocks on, they're going to break them up into small groups of two or three and have them share with each other and share their sins, faults, strengths, failures, and then pray for each other. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. They may be healed. We've done enough teaching about these things. Now we need to do them. We need to make our churches houses of prayer and, and start taking the action steps God has given us to take. I believe we can have an incredible spiritual awakening if we're willing to say, God, would you please put a mirror in front of us? Would you please show us our sin? Would you please convict us? And God, we want to work with your process and we will become a house of prayer and we will take these action steps. May God bless you. Do you want to be free? Blazing Grace is a nonprofit international ministry for the sexually broken and the spouse. Please visit us at blazinggrace.org for information on Mike Janung's books, groups, counseling, or to have Mike speak at your organization. You can email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call our office in Chandler, Arizona at 719-888-5144. Again, visit us at blazinggrace.org. Email us at email at blazinggrace.org or call the office at 719-888-5144.